Welcome back to the Mental Health Commute with Dr. Walt Duffy and Matt Duffy. And last time we left with a very short episode because Missy had to leave quickly to get to another engagement. In that episode, we touched on the sibling string and resiliency. So we would like to go a little bit further into that. And what we really ended on is resiliency. We really did not get into that. And then I'll come back to the sibling string and a little story about my cats, actually. And resiliency, Missy touched on not repeating patterns that we might learn during our childhood that we do not want to repeat in our adulthood. How can we get past that? You know, we might have the best of intent to parent differently than we were parented sometimes, or certain aspects of the parenting, but we might see ourselves repeating that pattern anyway. And so that would be a good reason maybe to get into therapy to look at that. But why is it that we sort of repeat those things? Matt, I know you like to ask questions about these things. Yeah, well, this sounds like one of our parenting topics that we touched on not too long ago. I assume most people in this situation have of I have this desire to not repeat. But then for some reason I do. And I assume most of the time it's a non-conscious effort when that happens. Something triggers them or it's in a high-stress situation or it's where they're, someone's not thinking before they act. And how do you adjust your behaviors when you're not conscious of your behavior? I was thinking back to our talk about the body battery And then you get into body memory, and I think about athletes. I mean, I think people can relate to this, where somebody gets in a slump. For example, like batter who's hitting a very high percentage every three or four out of ten times up the plate they're hitting, and all of a sudden they go through the slump and they cannot get a ball to go into the field for a hit. And, you know, they get with their hitting coach, and they have some nuances in their swing that have come back from past that they have spent a lot of years relearning into this new type of swing. But now in their slump, they have reverted back to old ways of doing things. And that happens in all sorts of things. And for myself, like uh, if I go out and play pickleball sometimes on a serve, should be a very pretty simple thing. I'll find myself reverting back to an old type of thing that where the ball is going out of bounds all the time. How do you get past that? And I think it talk a lot about doing things practice, making things conscious, knowing how what you do not want to do, but not focusing so hard on it, because if you focus too hard on it, you tend to repeat those things, right? It's really focusing on what you want to do and repeating that over and over and over again so it becomes more of a natural thing versus, oh, I have to remember to do this again. One point in time I heard, I think it was a comedian making a joke, but the <laughs> what he said in the joke stood out. And it was, I know what I'm going to do in the future because I've already had a conversation with myself about what will happen in a situation. And is that a strategy for these things where it's almost visualize practice and work through it before it happens versus avoidance or um, just believing it'll be different, but actively practicing before you get there yeah by avoidance or actually just believing it will happen without the practice you're very highly likely to just repeat past behavior patterns how would you know how to act in that situation and just off the cuff if you haven't practiced you know i was just listening to a podcast about a sales guy you know how to teach about sales 
and they talk about the type of practice you have to do. You have to do very specific practice, and you have to have somebody who's willing to come into you to the situation and correct you, give you guidance of what could have been better in your presentation to a client. Even though the presentation might have been pretty good, it could have been better. So it takes a few things. It takes a mentor, and then you as a person have to be open to the feedback and then to practicing in front of somebody, right? Just to think that, oh, just because I do not want to repeat the pattern, that means I won't repeat the pattern, there is a big disconnect there. Yeah, the other thing when we talk practicing that I remember from my sporting days is there was this discussion around practice makes perfect, right? But then I had a coach one time who said that's not true because what you practice is what you end up doing. So perfect practice makes perfect. If you're practicing something that's ineffective, you're going to do the thing that's ineffective. If you want to have perfect practice, you have to have a coach or someone who's going to correct you along the way because if you're what you're doing isn't perfect, you're not going to get better. You're just going to ingrain and in muscle memory the thing that's imperfect and repeat that more easily going forward. Getting back to the concept of resiliency then, the best way to have the opportunity to change is to maybe have a mentor, like a therapist, a coach, to practice, to do the perfect practice. And if you were raised a certain way, you might not know what that is. And there's always new things we can all learn. None of us know it all, right? And then you need to put that into practice. And then you need to realize you're not going to be perfect. Yeah. I think the other one is you have to start practicing before you get bad habits. Because what we all know is, like you say, the hitters in the slump, right? They're reverting to something that they knew before. Mm -hmm. The sooner you get into practicing before you have to unlearn something, the more likely it is that that's going to be your default and you're going to be more successful. Right. It will take longer to unlearn the bad behavior <laughs> the more it's been ingrained. Right. I think that's the concept we really wanted to get across regarding resiliency. And I, I'm going to put that into the sibling string and I'm going to bring my the cat family I have that has visited our house because we have mama cat and we have five of her children that showed up in our garage over a Memorial Day weekend. And now they've been returning. So we've seen a number of things happen over time. Mama Cat started out about 20 yards away from the house. We could feed her. She's up on the porch. We can get within like a foot or two of her. Not to touch her, but she gets really close. She has these five kids. And it's really interesting how they're different in that sibling string. They have sort of different names by color, and then some of them have names. There's Blackie, who's also AKA Alice. There's Red, who's uh, AKA Fred. And there's a gray one that we call Gracie. And then there's just Brownie. And he has a younger one, a little Brownie, that we AKA Runt. What you see with Fred and with Runt, even though Fred's this big guy and Runt is this, I'm really about half the size of the other ones. They are very close to mom. They are just tagged on to mom, and they do not want to come really close to us. They will as the food gets closer. Red has come actually a lot closer now. I was even able to pet him the other day, but he's still pretty standoffish. Whereas Alice Blackie, she was up on our deck the other night by herself eating and laying on her back and let me rub her belly. I had to put some medicine on her, the back of her neck. Let me hold her and put the medicine on. 
where Red would have nothing to do with that. He would hiss at me. Blackie will come up by herself. Big Brownie will come up by himself sometimes. Brownie and Gracie are sort of a pair. But you see them have different sort of identities. They have a different amount of confidence. And even when they play, you see mom give them different latitudes. So you see these different personalities, and you see how they're going to sort of interact with the world. But it's still hard to predict what they'll be as adults. But it's just been really interesting to sort of watch them. When you're not prepared and they start jumping on the window, at the window, against the window, because uh, you're not out there with their food <laughs> soon enough at night. When you talk about sibling string and resiliency, I just think it's really important that everybody's different. Your kids are each going to be different. They're going to interact with the world differently. They're going to respond differently. And at different points in time, they can be more independent or not. We, we do treat our kids equitably that what they might not see as fairly all the time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Mental Health Commute, and we'll catch you next time.